On today's episode of Breaking the Game, we are joined by Justin Payton, a new member of Off the Ball Network, and he and I are going to discuss the firing of Nate Bjorkman in Indiana, uh, Danny Ainge deciding to retire, and a playoff recap. It's gonna, it was a lot of fun to record. It should be a lot of fun to listen to. Don't miss it. We'll be right back after this. Another episode of Breaking the Game. I'm your host, Austin. Uh, Steven's gone still. We miss him. Can't wait for him to be back. But I've got a wonderful, wonderful person in his in his stead today. Our friend from Off the Ball Network, uh, Justin Payton. Justin, how you doing, man? Thank you so much for coming on. Man, I'm fantastic, man. I'm ready to talk to the NBA, man. I'm blessed and lucky to be here, man. What about you, man? How you doing, man? I'm great. I'm, I got I got off a little early tonight. Get to talk some basketball. Can't, can't ask for anything better. Yes. So, you know, I wanted to kind of go into a little bit about some of the coaching, you know, maneuvers, I guess, that have happened, coaching up vacancies, really, in uh, Boston and Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, being in Indianapolis, it's, uh, it's a big deal around here. I'm not really a Pacers fan, but, you know, Justin, it's not very often you hear of a, a first-year head coach getting fired after one year it's actually only the second time it's happened since 1956 yeah what do you what do you think about that i thought it was pretty wild like i mean i saw it coming but it's just i think it's crazy well you know i want to go back to the open court um part that we there was an open court show where they had like a takeover about what the nba should do better uh rick fox was like you know they i feel like they should generate a little bit more patience in the coaching staff you know i understand y'all want to win now but you know it would just have to take a little patience you know try to build up the team you know for three or four years five years and if it doesn't work out then it's okay to just go ahead and get with them but for a first year head coach you know it's it's you know you don't you don't really know the potential it's just basically like i understand you want to win right away but like you know you you gotta give them a chance you know you can't just say okay make this a championship team or get us far in the playoffs and then you keep your job you know that's a lot of pressure and there's so many good teams out there and and, you know if you don't make it then it's (sighs) why it's why well i think that's a that's a good good question you bring up, and I think the re- the the real root of the whole thing is is not even on the basketball court. Honestly, from all everything you hear in the media and from what people around here say, is that he just it's like a personality clash more than anything. They don't like they don't like the way he treats players. They don't like the way he talks to people within the organization. the The front office doesn't like his professionalism. Players don't apparently buy into his message at all and think he was force feeding analytics down their throat. And it's just, it's one of those things where I, I don't think if they'd even, even if they had like won a first round playoff series, he probably still would have been gone. It was just mm. the, the players had, he had kind of lost that locker room, so to speak. The, there was a, a pretty ugly scene that it, it blew me away just by, just because of the context and who it was. Gogo Batadze, their backup, like third string, basically center, uh, got into a shouting match in the middle of a game with an assistant coach 
and they called a timeout and the camera was zooming right in on his face when you saw him point at the at the sideline and, and cuss out his coach right on TV. Oh and, man. And it was just it was an embarrassing thing for them, obviously. And mm-hmm. so I mean it just kind of went downhill from there. But I agree with you though. One year's like I mean, I guess you're just what admitting admitting failure and <laughs> trying to start over, right? Yeah, pretty much, man. I mean Look, every coach is not going to be perfect no matter what, you know. Like, everybody didn't like that Chicago coach. I forgot his name Um, that, you know, oh, ran the players and, well, yes, when, you know, practices long and have them do all the conditioning, you hear uh, people complaining. Same with the Cleveland coach that they had, you know, a lot of players, uh, players complaining and stuff. I mean, look, every coach is different, you know. And, right. you know, every coach is going to have that same mindset to win and how to win, it's going to take different styles and all that. So, Absolutely. And, you know, I think the, the big question for me is, so Bjorken came from, you know, Nick Nurse's coaching staff. They, they won a G League title together, and then mm-hmm. they actually played against each other in the G League championship the next year. And then Bjorken went and was his assistant on that championship team in Toronto. So mm-hmm. this guy's won at every level. He actually even his first head coaching job was a, a high school head coach, and he won the yeah. state title his first year. Yeah. Like, so he's been successful everywhere. He's been able to get along with people everywhere he's been. And you can't – I almost can't believe that a front office, any front office in today's NBA would miss on this kind of stuff, like that you're hearing yeah. that he doesn't treat people with respect and nobody likes him and the players don't buy in, like – yeah. that you've missed all that for the last four years or what, what's the difference? You know, that's, that's like something that kind of been puzzling to me. It is, man. I mean, you go back to the Chicago Bulls in their last year, it was like everybody didn't really get along, but you know, you never heard anything about it until you listen to the last dance, you know, you know, Jerry Krause, you know, was like, organization wins championships. And, you know, Michael Jordan's like, no players win championships. I mean, it was a lot of clash back and forth, personality class back and forth between the organization and the players and the coach. I mean, like I said, you know, everything ain't going to be perfect, but if everybody has that same mindset to win, but if it has to go, if it has to take and they have to meet and like kind of just make peace, I mean, it, 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 you got to throw all the hate and all that aside just to win. It's about the sacrifice of winning. So definitely. And, you know, I, I think people kind of underestimate a lot of times how big of a sacrifice that can be because yeah. it's not like every NBA team is, is a bunch of best friends that go out and do everything together. You know, exactly. it's like a, it's like your job, you know, you're, you're not best friends with everybody you work with. Yeah. If you are, that's pretty cool. But you know, <laughs> I, mean, I kind of wouldn't say with the network, I'm pretty good friends with all these guys. So that's kind of like that, but, but you get what I mean. Like they're not all yeah. going to get along and, and go and they're not all the Utah jazz that are out, you know, Yes. Going door to door singing Christmas carols on <laughs> you know, that's just that's one of this goofy like picture I've always had in my head when <laughs> had Hunter on and he was talking about uh how like in Utah you see these the players like out doing stuff together and like hanging out. I just had this weird vision of like all, like three or four of them like singing Christmas carols together. <laughs> I, I don't know much about Utah except it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It really is. Anyway, I'm just it's a little joke, but uh, so Nate Bjorkren, it was an odd, odd situation how he kind of came up as the coach, too. I mean, doesn't it seem to you, Justin, like lately the trend has been all of a sudden like 
some guy just is you never heard his name before and then all of a sudden he's like the hot coaching prospect and then he's the next head coach somewhere and yeah guys yeah. that have been working at it for years that just get passed up yeah it's weird and you know everybody you know you know, you think, you know, someone like a Mark Jackson, who's been, you know, a successful coach for Golden State and you haven't heard his name come up and all that, you know, it's just been just really weird. Or, you know, it's the same coaches that got fired, but then they got put back. Doc Rivers left the Clippers, but oh, yeah, he's the Philadelphia head coach. We're definitely got to do that. I'm not saying that Doc Rivers is not a great coach. He is a great coach, but you pass along all these people that has that can get a chance at coaching. Like the Nets, I didn't even knew Steve Nash was going to wanting to be a head coach. I did not even know that. It just came out of nowhere. Like he really wants to be a head coach. Are you sure you are you sure you saying his name right? Is it something? It's like some random person, you know. Like I guess you know it goes, you know, it goes to analytics. It's like who's going to be the perfect coach for these players to build their chemistry and how who can take them to the next level. I mean, we just don't really know who be that coach would be. But, yeah, it just seems so odd with these real names, you know, that just come down to nowhere. It's like, oh, I just want to coach. So mm-hmm. I feel like point guards kind of already deal with, like, the ego management sometimes on really good teams. You know, like, even if they're the best player, they're usually the distributor. They're the guy trying to get everybody involved, especially like Steve Nash. Yes. So he, he probably already was pretty, you know, well-suited for a position where – you just got to keep two or three guys happy and, you know, mm-hmm. and make sure everybody else gets their, gets their shots. And, and, you know, probably things will probably work out pretty well. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to go pretty far, you know, without even really playing good basketball. They're yes. Just, those three guys are just so that good. But the real, the real thing I think that made this, uh, this one and done disaster, such a disaster for Indiana is the fact that, they fired Nate McMillan because he didn't win in the playoffs. So they yeah. fire a, a proven head coach who's coached yeah. for over 20 years now in the NBA. Yep. Has a, a well above 500 record. Yes. Um, who made the playoffs as your head coach four straight years. Yeah. Oladipo hurt one year with uh, Sabonis hurt the next year with TJ Warren in and out of the lineup. Brogdon mm-hmm. kind of in and out of the lineup. I, I mean, the Pacers have been like a mash unit the entire time he's been there and the idea that Nate McMillan can't win in the playoffs is, is one of the dumbest things to me. Obviously he just did. So that helps his case. But like, if you go back and look in his playoff series that he's lost in the first round, he lost to Carl Malone and and John Stockton. He lost to uh, David Robinson and Tim Duncan. And then he Mm -hmm. lost to Chris Weber, Stoyakovic and Mike Bibby. Like when was yeah. he supposed to win with a, a seven seated Seattle Sonics team or a Portland team? I mean, yeah. he's never been favored in, in like a series. And then I don't know if I think it was a little bit closer, probably in Vegas, than a lot of people thought that Knicks Hawks series. But I don't know that they were the favorite in that series either. And they, they look pretty good so far. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, Nate Mamillion, you know, that's the thing I still don't get that Indiana did was to fire, you know, Nate Mamillion. I thought, like you say, he was a proven head coach. He was a great head coach. And then, you know, just out of nowhere, just to fire him, I just thought it was just like out of nowhere, just kind of crazy, you know, it was like. The weird thing was, was it was part of the bubble was partly to blame because his contract. So he was a lame duck going into the season. It was his last yeah. year of his contract. And the shutdown actually uh, pushed the restart of the season past the end of his contract. So yep. it got announced that he got a contract extension. And then like five days later, he got fired. And it's nobody crazy. understood why. 
It's crazy. And you see what he's doing with Atlanta. Atlanta, you know, it hasn't been in the playoffs in years, and now they are a playoff team, and he got them up and rolling and everything. So, you know, in the end, it's just like looking back, probably like, dang, I shouldn't have even got rid of this coach in the first place. Like I said, that proven track record of knowing how to coach the players and all that, that's Nate McMillian. You've never heard a bad thing about him from anybody that's played for him. And all like the narrative around him, other than this can't win in the playoffs, was always like he gets the most out of a, like a young team. Like, you know, they're going to play, they're going to surprise people with how good they are. And it's always mm-hmm. like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Atlanta Hawks got, were smart. I mean, it was an obvious move when they went and got a guy and, you know, on appointed him basically the assistant coach for a head coach that's never worked with him before. That was obviously, <laughs> you know, writing on the wall and it, it they've been 20, they were 27, 11 in the regular season with Nate McMillan as their head coach. I mean, yes. that's the third or fourth best record in the NBA yes. for a team that's built around a bunch of guys in their second or third year. And it's crazy. It's gonna be, they're going to be fun to watch. Um, yes. I, I actually kind of want to talk about this. This is going to be kind of impromptu, but I want your thoughts. So who do you think out of all these guys, these young stars that are having these great playoff series, you know, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young, who do you think has the brightest future out of some of these guys? It doesn't have to be any pick anybody. Oh, man, it's like, you know, asking like one of your kids, which one of your kids is your favorite? Because a lot of people have like, you know, a lot of different, you know, a lot of them have futures and stuff, man. Donovan Mitchell. That Utah Jazz team is so deep, you know. Donovan Mitchell, the way he's been playing in the playoffs, you know, because, look, you got to think about it. They only lost one game um, when – and that was, you know, tonight, which we'll talk about – well, last night, which we'll talk about later with against the Clippers. But, you know, the other game, he wasn't even playing against the Grizzlies. And for him to go out against a good Clipper team and put up like 30 something points a game, it's just remarkable to me. Devin Booker could score in his sleep. I've been really impressed with him and he, and the way that he uh, is aggressive and he's hungry for that title t- too, as well. You know, it's coming from that Chris Paul influence of leadership. Um, but my favorite one personally was, has been Trey Young. I feel like Trey Young is going to be like, one of those type of players like a Reggie Miller, especially like if he goes up to these cities like a Philly or a New York to just go out there and, you know, is just confident in a shot and just make that New York Philly crowd hate him. Cause that's the thing that we miss in the NBA is the rivalries. Yep. Like you can name a rivalry back in the day that was just exciting to watch. Even Miami and uh, New York was a rivalry back in the day. So to have Trey Young, as young as he is, I mean, that's a rivalry the next 10 years that's going to bring in, like, seats and everything. And it's very yeah, impressive. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. I, I, I just love the way it seems like Trey Young. So I had the complete wrong, like, thought process on Trey Young. Like, he, he just – he's he doesn't obviously really look the part of an NBA star. He looks like a little kid to me. Yes. <laughs> And that's not to say that that matters. Obviously, it doesn't. But And I know he was good. I always knew he was good. I just, watching him against the Knicks in that series and in these playoffs, like, he absolutely feeds off of the crowd hating him. And yeah. it's like a wrestling heel. Like, it's it's, it's almost, it's, just get, it's so fun to watch. And he's like the littlest guy out there. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, 
I, I don't know if I've, I've ever heard this comparison and, and it's a, a little bit of a stretch, but it's kind of Allen Iverson ish, just how he's so like, he just, he welcomes all, you know, all comers. And, you know, when he makes a shot and gets an and one, he puts his hand to his ear and listens to the crowd for, you know, once those boos and you just don't really see that from a lot of guys anymore. And, mm-hmm. and Devin Booker's kind of shown a, a, a little bit of an edge here too. And I like that about him too. I, I, I was kind of not the biggest Devin Booker fan either, but these playoffs, these guys have like absolutely changed my mind on them. I knew they were good. It was just, they're, they're really showing me something that I didn't think was there before. And Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell to me was the one that I always felt like could be great from about the first time I watched him. And, yes. you know, the Dwayne Wade comparisons are, 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 you know, a reach to an extent, but they're, I, I, I think they make sense. Especially when you have Dwayne Wade as one of the owners of the Utah Jazz, you know it's always been interesting when you like when you hear the news like Dwayne Wade's part of like the um, ownership of Utah Jazz. It's like, you know, he could have been an ownership for the Miami Heat, or could have been you know an owner, you know, with the Lakers or some you know some team that. But the Utah Jazz was just like a little bit of stretch, but. At the same time, Donald Mitchell is over there. And, you know, when you listen to Dwayne Wade, you know, anal- a- a- analyze, you know, uh, Donovan Mitchell, he just, it just seems like he just loves Donovan Mitchell. He just sees a lot of his young self in Donovan Mitchell, just the way he plays and goes after it and all that, you know. Oh, so yeah. I, don't I, know I can definitely see 35 that. and 7 in the, in the finals like Wade did that one year. But he's, he's, he's um, kind of to me feeling like he's having that sort of breakout you know performance so far and he's doing it with a, an ankle that he's admittedly said is still pretty sore yes. mm-hmm. crazy crazy um and then one more player i just wanted to shout out to as well i forgot all about him and all that luka Doncic. i mean the next probably through probably i don't know how long it's going to be this guy is probably going to be the best one he's probably the best one out of the bunch the only the people will forget about him, but no, nobody don't forget about him. But that team was just the team's just not that good to me. And they're a great offensive team, but they're just not good. They just need they need to go up the next level. I mean, Lucas did everything he could in the playoffs, but he's probably going to be the best one out of that bunch. Like, I mean, as young as he is and as ready as he is, great offensive team. Anytime you get a guy that's averaging twenty nine and ten assists, yes, so that's why it's because of him. Yes. Did you see and, the, the, the um, meme about um, Porzingis? So the it was the Scooby Doo gang, and they're unmasking the villain. And it said, "Let's see who the real pandemic P is." And it was Kristaps Porzingis. <laughs> <in the mask. laughs> oh man, I laughed so hard when I saw that. <laughs> you know, Paul George, you know, we'll get to it here in a minute. Paul George had a little bit of a redemption game for himself there. Yes. Finally, which I don't think he's been that bad in these playoffs. People just love to hate Paul George. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of, mm-hmm. a, I'll, I'll admit it. I've hated on Paul George a lot on this show, but he just, I don't know. He talks too much for somebody that's never really done anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I like hear guys talking like, like Damian Lillard said, you can't really talk when the only game where he made was in a Gatorade commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm always here for shouting out players, man. And we're, we're all about the love here. I'm breaking the game. We, we've got, I've got some shout outs I need to get to before we move on. Um, yes. For everybody listening on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel, thank you so much. You know, Nothing But Net's been great. All the guys there at Dash Radio are amazing, amazing dudes. They've done a lot of work with our network, and we're we're very grateful for them. So, 
Thank you for tuning in wherever you are. Uh, if you're listening on Dash, if you're listening on the podcast, cool too. You know, we'll take the downloads. Maybe, you know, five-star review if you like us for sure. If you don't like us, just leave a mean comment. It's okay. I can take it. <laughs> um, and then obviously, you know, Justin, I've always got to thank the people at Manscaped. They are uh, one of the sponsors of the show. The Manscaped people are, are, I mean, they couldn't be better. You know, I was pretty nervous when Steven left about, you know, having to take over all this business side stuff of everything that he did. And they've been awesome. They're so easy to work with. I mean, they got the best stuff. Like, this, the stuff is just cool. They sent me, like, one of everything. And, like, it's just cool looking. Like, everything is made really, really well. They've got the the lawnmower 4.0 it's got skin safe technology you're not going to cut yourself you don't have to worry about you know nicks and all that you got a, a 4000k something spotlight on it so, i mean it's so high tech i don't even know how to use everything on it yet but let's it's great and it's awesome stuff father's day's coming up they've got all kinds of deals on on their website you know maybe a maybe a, a downstairs groomer doesn't sound like a great gift for dad but they do have stuff that he would probably like like the boxers are great. You know, they've got an ear and nose hair trimmer that, I mean, as guys get older, they need that. Let's be honest. And, you know, everybody that's, you know, intimate in your life will thank you. You'll thank yourself. You don't have to use the same razor on your whole body as you do your face anymore. I never did. I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently it is. But it doesn't need to be anymore. Manscaped, you know, can't say enough about them. And they know I like easy stuff, so they made our code so easy, Justin. It's BTG. It's three letters. I can't even forget. I, I can't forget that. And, and I like it a lot. Uh, so thank you guys, everybody at Manscaped. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I've got Justin here from Off the Ball Network in to help me out with the show tonight. It's been a lot of fun so far. Thanks for joining us, Justin. Hey, man. Thank you so much for having me on the show, man. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I love, always love to talk basketball with anybody. It's a good time. Oh yeah, um, I do want to kind of get into the, to one other coaching situation a little bit before we before we go into the playoffs here. Um, Danny Ainge stepped down as the what the president of basketball operations, mm-hmm. and Brad Stevens moved into pretty much hit that role. I, I think they said an expanded role, which I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really thought too much about who they go after as a head coach. I, I don't know. Like I said, NBA head coaching prospects seem to change like daily, and it's all of a sudden yeah. it's just some guy that you never heard of. So mm-hmm. I'm not as worried about that, but I just kind of had a bad taste in my mouth with Danny Ainge overall. I think his, I think the the perception around the league from other or from like media and fans is that he's one of the best GMs and that he's, you know, he's always making these great deals. And I feel like he made one good move, two, two. He got he only got Tatum, but I mean anybody with two eyes that's ever watched basketball knew Tatum was gonna be good. Mm-hmm. it's not that amazing and he just he never did anything with all this all the assets that he acquired and like i said he, he the perception around the league was how good of a, a gm he is but then as soon as he's gone all these reports come out from former players that they didn't trust him and didn't want to play for him so it's just i want to get your thoughts what do you think think it's just so interesting to me how like when you listen to the media talk about it it's like oh danny ainge is so great and then the players all say no we didn't like him we didn't want to play for him yeah, it's an interesting situation, but you know, whenever you're a Boston Celtic for life, you are Boston Celtic for life, you know. And Danny Age was a Boston Celtic and kept his job because he won one championship, you know, by getting you know KG and Way Allen in the trade to help Paul Pills with the victory. 
and then to keep the African kid Rondo that Kevin Garnett said, <laughs> and uh, you know, getting Kyrie, which was a bad move and stuff, and um, you know, getting Jason Tatum and draft really helped too as well. Um, yeah, it, yeah, they need just, but he was the same way as a player. He was like, he's one of those people like you love on your team, but you hate his guts. As right, a, as, you're not a selfish uh, enemy. man. He just, he just hung on Larry Bird's coattails and didn't deserve uh, any of that. You are a Celtics fan. Oh man, he was the heart and soul of the team kind of guy. He you, know? you despised him so much, you know, and everything. But yeah, I mean, he, he hasn't been a great GM to me um, as well. Um, you know, just because he won one title and stuff. Okay, he could have won more than one title. He could have won if he could have had like three, four, five titles and all that. You know, like. You know, he would the still be leading Celtic scorer, uh, Kevin Garnett, who won an MVP, one of the best mm-hmm. power forwards of all time, and one of the three best three point shooters of all time. Who people forget how good Ray Allen was for a long time. Yes. Like, people have those memories of bald Ray Allen in Miami just shoot, shooting jumpers from the corner all game. That man mm-hmm. could play. Yes, he mm-hmm. could. It was fun to watch in Milwaukee. I liked him when he was in Milwaukee. And that was oh, Ooh, man. Oh God, he was so good. Mad Market team was loaded when he was there too, and that was the best way Allen version I seen because Duncan basketball three point shot can do anything all around player. I mean that was the best way Allen, but people don't ever talk about it. Talk about the Seattle, Boston, Miami. So it's interesting. Um, I am interested to see uh, what happens because Kemba Walker's I'm pretty sure done in Boston. He's pretty much demanded his way out Thank yeah I, I i didn't i didn't like that whole idea of Kemba walker going well i did at the beginning because i was like okay it's going to help the team because of what he did in charlotte but he didn't really prove anything to boston he just made how he just like he was a much better player in boston than Kemba was uh, so i'm glad that they're moving on from Kemba. i think it's 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 pretty crazy to how how the oh i feel like the the thoughts on Kemba and Kyrie were that they were pretty close in in ability at one point until all this. I think it it's unbelievable now to think about that. Like, but I think a lot of people thought that, and it's crazy because Kemba Walker. I mean, there's no there's a reason you go like twenty three straight games losing to the same guy. Like, mm-hmm. there's just something that's not there, you know. And Kemba Walker's great when he's healthy but he's little and he gets beat up a lot the way he plays and mm-hmm. he's, he's been you know he's been banged up a lot and i think if he's healthy he could he could definitely help a team and boston just wasn't a good fit mm-hmm. uh, obviously he he the, the everybody said that gordon hayward was redundant to tatum and brown and they didn't need him and then you saw what happened this year i mean there was times when they couldn't score the ball like if, no, if no. brown wasn't or tatum and brown weren't hitting shots like they couldn't score you know they could mm-hmm. Danny Ainge had, I mean, all these opportunities to get guys. So he had this handshake deal with Al Horford that they're going to re-sign him. He yeah. leaves for nothing. The Kyrie Irving situation, yeah, everybody wanted to get rid of him, but they didn't get anything for him. And no. then Gordon Hayward basically, out of the goodness of his heart, agreed to, to like kind of back off and take a sign-in trade at the last minute because Danny Ainge was convinced that he could get all the depot and Miles Turner for him because he mm-hmm. only wanted to go to the Pacers. Like I, mm-hmm. I didn't even know that the that he was interested in the Pacers until yeah. I heard about Danny Ainge talking about it on NBA radio. Like I had never I had never really heard much like the Pacers wanted him, the fans wanted him, but I had never heard much the other way about him wanting to come here at all. And he yeah. I guess he did, but 
it, no NBA player only has one place they're going to go. You know, that's just not how it works. And so, you know, he overplayed his hand there the one time he actually did try to do something. And just think about if this team had Miles Turner on it this year. I mean, it solves all their all their defensive problems, all their big man problems. I mean, he, he had a terrific year. And it's, he would have been the perfect big man for that team, I think. I agree with that. Um, you know, losing Al Holford to, um, you know, Philadelphia, you know, and where I forgot what team he's on now. I mean, that kind of really hurt the Celtics because technically on Oklahoma City, but I don't think he play, he's not going to play for him. Yeah. Okay. See, yeah. But yeah, just losing him, you know, um, Boston did, it kind of really hurt them because Al Holford was very dependable and was very sociable, you know, in that system, you know, and Kemba didn't really fit within that system. It just felt like it was just like an ISO ball type of system where Tatum was taking shots Brown was taking shots the next person would probably be like Marcus Smart to take shots but they always lacked in size to me you know everybody was like oh Taco Fall probably going to be the next big guy right there in Boston and he's not really that great yet or good yet because of his footwork he still needs to work on his footwork and everything. But um, so they need somebody, you know, you know, inside. So they was trying to get Andre Drummond this year. I'm glad they didn't get him because you see what he's doing with the Lakers and all that. Absolutely. It's just terrible. That's Losing Daniel Tice. I was completely wrong about I thought he was going to be – I thought he was the perfect fit for what they needed because they lost, you know, the defense and the athleticism from Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. I thought he'd yeah. come in and just be a spark. And he, it was – I mean, he didn't do anything. It was awful. No. It was awful. It was straight awful, you know, and I guess it's because of Cleveland just putting him in street clothes for like months and just right. didn't get a chance to just like really like, you know, walk out every day. And, you know, he just thought it was going to be an easy fit. And, you know, when you're in that L.A. bright lights and stuff, I mean, you ain't going to perform well unless you are really that good of a player. So it's just right. kind of sad to see Drummond not playing well. So I thought he could have fit better with Boston, but. Um, like I said, well, he definitely you know. would have been more of a, a focal point, but he just seems like the perfect guy to play with LeBron James. If you want him to get a bunch of little easy buckets around the rim, like LeBron's yes. going to find him on every single role, every single time. And it's like the exact opposite happened. It looked like LeBron was just like, get him out of the game. Like if I was yeah, exactly. It's kind of like yeah. back when uh, Michael Beasley was going to come in, when he came back from China the first time he went in for the Lakers, he uh, went to take his uh, warm-ups off, off and didn't have any shorts on, and he never played a minute after that. They, they didn't take, they took him back out, and he never went back in. And it just that's always been funny to me. And I feel like <laughs> LeBron felt that way about Drummond all playoffs. Like this, this dude needs to go because yeah. they just they had no chemistry, and it never once felt like a LeBron James team, like LeBron was going to, you know, eventually put his foot on the gas. They just, I never felt like after the first two games, even if it was always one, one, even when we were up two one, I never for a second felt like they were going to, going to win that series. I don't know why it just didn't feel right. But yeah. Phoenix is looking tough. They're, they're really good. So we can just move into the playoffs. That's what I really want to talk about anyway. Obviously I think you do too. Um, you know, Danny Ainge, obviously, Brad Stevens, I love Brad Stevens. He's you know he's a Butler guy. I I got to watch him a lot growing yeah. up around here. I, I actually live really close to where Butler plays basketball now. And uh, Hingle Fieldhouse is cool. It's a really really yeah. cool gym. Um, but the one thing that was crazy to me, do you know the contract that he turned down from IU? Yeah, I heard about that. And I'm just hundred million dollars. 
That's crazy. I thought he was – that was crazy that he toned that down. I guess, you know, it just – at the end of the day, it's like, you know, they really don't want to go back to the college level. Some coaches don't want to go back to the college level, and they feel like they can do something in NBA level and the pro level, which is the highest level. They're going to stay in the highest level, you know. But, you know, smart coaches know if they're better in college, they will take the – I would have took the deal. $100 million. So much money. So much. So much money. And, you know, it's, it's where he, like, grew up, and he's admittedly said it would be, like, his, one of his dream jobs. Yes. Sometimes, sometimes I think that the dream job might it might be better from afar. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to experience it and it not be as amazing and great as you expected it because then it's kind of ruined. Maybe, maybe mm. there's some of that. And, and also, maybe he just knew he was going to become the GM of the Boston Celtics, and that's a pretty awesome job. So, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like – now that makes that part of it makes a little bit more sense if this was kind of something that they had talked about because like a hundred million dollars for seven years it was something around that something around that that's insane and like from mm-hmm. IU who kind of typically goes pretty cheap on coaching hires for as for as big of a basketball school as they want to be or claim to be and they just you know they don't really ever go after like that big superstar or whatever you want to call him head coach like that so it was it was it was exciting for about two minutes but i'm I'm really really liking the mike woodson hire i'm excited about that yes so that's a good a good secondary you know second option there but uh i don't know i i don't follow the uh, like a coaching rumors a lot i have no idea who would be a good fit in boston i, I feel like mark jackson might get a, a good hire here in indy just because the fans would go nuts for it they love him mm-hmm. so, i don't know what yeah. do you think Man, you know, there's a lot of good names out there, you know. Um, you know, the one person they really like kind of like thinking about going towards, you know, kind of interviewing is Chauncey Billups. Um, yeah. you know, and you know, he'd been wanting to get in the coaching scene for a while. Um, you know, like I said, it'd be he'd be like a first year coach, you know. Um, you know, is he gonna be prepared for? Is he gonna be a good coach? You know, Jason Kidd's out there. Um, you have, you know, Mark Jackson, Terry Scott, Scott, Scott fired. So it's going to be burning holes on Mike, you know, Bucks might lose the series, but we'll talk about that later. I mean, there's so many good, there's so many coaches that they could go after and all that, but I wouldn't, they would need to find the right hire that could build this team and can get like the players that they need for that system. So that Boston will be a powerhouse again. Right. I, I don't know if it's an X's and O's thing as much as a like a just a, a leader of, of players. You know what I mean? Like, I think Brad Stevens is probably up there with the very best in terms of strategy and, and yeah. coaching them up and that kind of thing. But he's never once struck me as a guy that can walk into a locker room and give a rah-rah speech whatsoever. No. He's, it seems like he comes in there kind of quiet and, you know, we know what we need to do kind of guy. And mm-hmm. that works. But, you know, sometimes the other ways – you know, look at like what Coach O in, in uh, LSU, like that dude, you know, he's 99%, you know, rah-rah speech and mm-hmm. won a national title a couple of years ago. So yes. it can work both ways for sure. I've always just, I, I hope Brad, I hope good things for Brad Stevens. I'm just sad that he's still with the Celtics because I can't. I know. It's hard. It's hard for me. I try, to, I try to root for Jason Tatum and that green just, just gets to me by the end of the game. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough being a Boston Celtic. <laughs> well, I'm yeah. you know, Lakers and Celtics. It's it's fun to win, but it's we're gonna get a hated on an awful lot, man. Yes, 
Yes. I, I remember when the Lakers lost to the Pistons in like in whatever year it was with the Ben Wallace and Sheed Wallace team. And there was like a group of like 10 kids from my grade at school, like waiting for me at the front door because I was the biggest Lakers fan. And I had just spent the last three years gloating on over them. And they were <laughs> so excited when they lost. And I was like, man, you guys were in like third grade. They were already haters. I knew they were. Uh, well, you want to talk about these playoff matchups, Justin? I'm excited, man. I'm excited with these playoffs. Yes. You, you, you lead the way. Man, um, let's talk, go ahead and talk about tonight. Um, just a surprising sweep by the Phoenix Suns on the Denver Nuggets. You know, um, Jokic, man. I mean, he. I just felt like he was in the island by himself, and then nobody was swimming with him. You know, uh, that's the problem with. See, the value of Jamal Murray was so was missing. Because when he went down, I was like, they ain't gonna get four in the playoffs without him because that's the second option. That's the that's the closer or sometimes the first option if Jokic is not going to play well this series or this game. Um, you know, Jokic did everything he could. Um, but you know, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon was a disappointment because I thought he'll bring, you know, a lot of energy and scoring like he did with Orlando. He was like, I want to go to a good team or a contender. And he got that chance and he fell to the expectations. You know, Will Barton and Morris didn't really play well. It just seemed like Jokic, you know, was embarrassed embarrassingly won the MVP. And they, he probably might just give the MVP trophy to Adam Civil in the morning and say, "I don't deserve this. I right. play that off. I play the team played off. I don't deserve this. You know, I really don't." Oh, good. He's he's. It's unreal how like it just is. effortless it seems too. Like yes, standing there on the elbow with the ball over his head, and he just flicks his wrist and throws a, like a dime pass right to a cutting guard that you didn't even see until he threw the pass. Like it's yeah. It's health he's just smooth with everything shot like 43 percent from three and i mean he he's not the worst mvp like in the last 20 years like people are trying to say people that are saying that don't know what they're talking about he no. might be the most unexpected though yes like, before him the top the lowest pick was 15th that won an mvp he's 40 he was the 41st pick and you know the narrative used to be that euro big men were soft and couldn't play you know, that was that was really like the like every one of them that came out, out was the next Dirk Nowitzki and they all stunk, you know, for mm -hmm. a long time. And you look now, the the Euro big man kind of led this mini big man revolution of where, you know, for a couple of years, there was no real, real center play. And this year, you know, the, the two top MVP final finishers were both centers. So yeah. it's just it was interesting to see that uh how good he's become in such a short time and like even just from the bubble last year to the very beginning of this year how much better his defense was yeah he improved on all of the things that everybody said he needed to do improve on pretty much year after year after year now and i just hate hearing the people say that he doesn't deserve an mvp like he almost averaged a triple double he was like third yeah. in the nba and assists as a center i mean mm -hmm. i think he could have had a you know of 40 and 15 average and people would have still said, you know, he didn't deserve it for whatever reason. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm happy for him. And, you know, Jamal Murray, like you said, the, what the real value is for him is yeah. Michael Porter jr. Can score a lot. He can be their number two option if they, if, if he has to be, but 
imagine instead of, you know, your starting backcourt being Austin Rivers and Monty Morris, it's uh, uh, Jamal Murray and um, who's the other? Will Barton, you know, mm-hmm. like that's a completely different series. Yeah. It's a completely different team. Now you're now, you know, when Michael Porter Jr. shoots one of nine and has 17 points, he's not your number two option. You had two guys both score 25 or 27 or something. And that's a pretty good, you know, recipe for winning, in the, especially in the playoffs. And yeah. yeah, you know, it's a sad thing that he got hurt, but it could be a blessing in disguise for, for this team too, because going into next year, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of realistic expectation for them to be a title contender mm-hmm. without Murray until he comes back, which may not, might not be till the very end of the year. So, mm-hmm. you know, it gives Michael Porter Jr. kind of a, just a free reign to, you know, just figure out who he is and, and hone his game because you know he's going to get a lot of shots. You know they're not going to be worried about if they start losing some games. They're they're they're, they're not at full strength. So they get a whole year of him developing and becoming you know the guy kind of on offense, and then they get their number one scorer back. So if mm-hmm. it, if it works out all in their favor, I think it could be a, a serious blessing in disguise. But I'm I'm with you. I did not see this uh, this sweep coming at all. And tonight, did, tonight was a little, a little iffy on some things there towards the end of the game. I don't know what you feel about how you feel about that. Yeah, that flagrant foul. I feel like it was just too. Just I feel like he shouldn't have been thrown out the game. But I guess the referee was like, "Hey, World Two Three King King. Hey, enjoy your vacation tonight." You know, but that should not have been a flagrant foul. You know, and you know he wasn't trying to argue or anything on the call, but it just intensified because Devin Buckle, you know, thinking that he's a tough guy and all that, but he's really not. He's really soft, but he's doing a jabble jabble and all that and just intensify Jokic and Jokic was like going at him and stuff so I mean it, it should he should not have been ejected for that um you know like mm-hmm. back then remember that Andrew Bynum play on Borrell in 2011 right. uh, or 2012 when the Lakers got swept by the Mavericks yeah, the regular Thursday night regular season game when we were like five or six we know yeah. drove down the lane without getting their head knocked off 15 years ago yeah it's crazy. It's crazy. He brushed his brushed this guy's nose with his elbow or his shoulder. Got all ball. Yeah. He barely brushed his like his forehead with his with his shoulder. And the dude fell on flop on the ground and he gets kicked out of the game in a three-point game in game four of a three oh. I mean, I know they're not gonna come back and win the series, but they could have won that game with, with him in there. Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> excuse me. So incidental contact in the head. Give him a flagrant one. That's fine. Okay. Don't throw the MVP out of the game when it's, when yeah. it's a, one of the first close games of the series. That, that was that was rough. It was really rough, you know. But shout out to the Phoenix Suns, though, on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Chris Paul's really hungry for that championship. You know, um, hopefully he stays healthy. You know, you see him getting hurt in the Lakers series with the neck and shoulder. But, you know, if he could stay healthy, you know, they got a really good chance. The thing that was very impressive about the Phoenix Suns is, you know, not only you will see the rise of Devin Booker, you know, coming in and Chris Paul's leadership with passing the ball and everything, but everybody else that contribute, um, Mal, uh, not Miles Bridges, but Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder, Cameron Payne, DeAndre Ayton actually showed out in the playoffs 
And everybody was talking about this matchup between Aiden versus the Joker. And Aiden played really well the first two games and was giving, you know, Jokic kind of trouble because the only advantage Jokic got was outside, you know, shooting and everything. But, you know, and Aiden didn't really play well the last two games, but just his presence alone and that team alone, you know, they just, Money Wins did a really good job. And then you see the amount of touches that they had. I remember one game, it's like they had like 12 to 15 touches, you know, with Booker, Paul, Aiden, Crowder, Bridges, all just showing the basketball together. They're really moving the basketball. They're playing defense. Um, you know, they, they're just really, they're really hungry and they will again after it. So Phoenix Suns, you know, great job. Just great I'll job. Tell you what, I was dead wrong about Phoenix. I didn't think yeah. they'd make it out of the first round. I was not right. They, I, I kept saying all year, one of these two teams, Utah or Phoenix, is for real. And I and it, it, they might both be because I, I still think Utah's pretty for real because I just yeah. thought Utah was a legit, you know, everybody says they're the, the like the, Atlanta Hawks from a few years ago that were the number one seed. They're way more like those Pistons of oh, yeah. time than that Atlanta Hawks team. They're uh-huh. really, really good. But obviously, I underestimated uh, Phoenix because they've that whole team kind of seems like they've taken on that kind of, I guess, dickish personality that Chris Paul's kind of known for. Because mm-hmm. like it seems like they're all ready to fight every game now in the playoffs. Like we're here, we finally made it. We're sick and tired of li- listening to everybody talk about how our numbers don't mean anything. They're ready to. I mean, it seems like every game just about they're ready to fight. Or yeah, which I like that. I I, I kind of like that about Atlanta too. I feel like Atlanta is kind of the same way. It's, it's what that's what intrigues me about some of these young guys is it's been so long since we've seen anybody really like want to get in under anybody else's skin. You know, like Reggie Miller versus the Knicks is like my all time favorite uh, uh, thirty for thirty. And you kind of mentioned that Reggie Miller type player when we were talking about Trey Young, and I I love it. Like I can't imagine what I would have done if in in that series, if at some point he just turned to the crowd and went like this. Like I would have lost my mind. Like that was that would have been amazing. And he mm-hmm. he he would he'd be the guy to do it. Obviously, that was fun to watch. But mm-hmm. back to Phoenix, um, they're really good. <laughs> they're just really really good. And. When they got by the Lakers, I said, "Okay, they might go to the finals." And they 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 are looking looking like they're going to be tough to beat. And I know Denver wasn't at full strength, but uh, they they beat the Lakers pretty handily. And people are kind of just glossing over forty seven points in a closeout game against LeBron James, like who's never lost a series in the first round. Yeah, Booker has forty seven points in a closeout game, and it just like. Oh, who's the MVP of the first round? Is it Kawhi Leonard or is it just some or is it Joe Allen Bead? Like, probably Devin Booker. Like, yeah, he, he kind of you know everybody knows of his connection to Kobe. He kind of kind of channeled that a little bit, I think, in that first round. And mm-hmm. I just had Justin, another Justin, on from the network. You know, you know, our Phoenix Suns expert. Let's call it well, what it is. He's an expert. He goes, he's awesome. He knows so much about the Suns. I'm not sure he knows a whole lot about five other teams, but that dude mm-hmm. knows everything about his sons, and he's fun to talk to about him. And he he, you know, said some things on the show, and I I went back and I watched, and the Suns are the 27th slowest team in the NBA, mm-hmm. but they're like the fourth most efficient offense, fourth or fifth highest scoring offense, and he kind of said it, and they they slow down and play a half court offense, and nobody yeah. nobody can play defense. There's no good, nobody, no good, really elite defensive teams at all right now. 
because everybody just switches everything. Guys just shoot open jumpers all day. Mm-hmm. And nobody can guard a, a team that's running an, an offensive set like a Chris Paul-led team can run because they're just not used to doing it that much. And mm-hmm. they just kind of slow the game down and get the shots they want over and over and over. And Devin Booker and Chris Paul can't miss. I mean, they're been terrific. Yeah, they are. You got two closers and Devin Booker. <laughs> the interesting stat that was really impressive about um, the Suns that I heard, you know, that Chris Paul has like 300 assists to three different teammates, you know, and it just tells you how much of a leader and how much of the influence and how much facilitating Chris Paul is to a value NBA team. He took OKC to the playoffs. And OKC, you know, on paper, you're like, yeah, they're not really that much. They're not going to be a name to heal. But just his leadership alone, just, you know, the way he facilitates, the way he gets after it. I mean, it's just remarkable way that he finished top five in MVP voting. It just tells you the value of Chris Paul to that team. Mm -hmm. I think if, if the NBA were, would like the NBA community, I guess would embrace the idea that points per game in in a sense, aren't really that valuable towards winning. Like there's all these mathematical, like, statistical papers you can read that show it's like the sixth or seventh most important stat and it's way overvalued and i mean obviously you got to be able to score the ball like you, you got to outscore the other team to win but the the point is like there's so many guys that can score 25 points a game there's not near as many that can get 15 assists or you yeah. know 18 rebounds and or you know have a shoot 60 percent from the field and it's um it's just interesting to to see you know, he is probably the most valuable player on his team for sure. Mm-hmm. He means more to that team, I would say, than probably just about any other player means to their team. Maybe Jimmy Butler to Miami because they couldn't win any games without him and they're pretty damn good with him. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of like the he just fits that Miami Heat culture thing so well. But I just really feel like Chris Paul, Chris Paul was so good last year, he tricked me into thinking Billy Donovan was the coach of the year. You know, <laughs> yes. probably Chris Paul. <laughs> yes. It just can, can be a free agent. I think he has a player option. Mm-hmm. And he's just so valuable to the team. You know, it's just like, you know, it's, it's just like the, the the only question we had about Chris Paul is, can he be able to win a title? Can he win a title? And you could just see him. He hasn't been to the Western Conference Finals since, you know, he hit that, you know, that game winner against the Spurs and then got into the Western Conference Finals. And, uh, you know, or not actually, not the Clippers, but with Houston, but got hurt against the Warriors. That's the last time I've been to the Western Conference Finals. So, I mean, he's just been so close. And, you know, I, you know, everybody's hoping for him to win a championship this year. So that's the only lingering question on Chris Paul's legacy. Is he able to deliver a championship? Um, and I think he's in a really good situation. So we'll just see how they play in the Western Cup Finals. Absolutely. I've, I've always kind of said, like, what if he doesn't win a title? Because he's like the ultimate winner everywhere he goes. But he mm-hmm. might go down as the best to never win a title if he doesn't win one. Really, It's just a weird kind of narrative there because everywhere he goes, they get better. But yeah, just can't ever get over that hump. And I think the biggest testament to how good him and James Harden are as basketball players is how close they got to beating that Warriors team. Yes, Chris Paul played; they could have very easily won that game. Like it was unreal to think about it. Like I I went back and looked, and because I was listening to 
Houston Rockets fans complain about how they never had good teams at all. It was just James Harden. And I was like, man, you guys had great teams when he was there. And I went and looked through the roster and they really didn't. Like they had like Capella and and Paul and him and then like Ryan Anderson and PJ Tucker were pretty good. But you know what I mean? They they didn't have anywhere near the talent that from one to 12, I feel like that that Golden State team had. And yeah. it was just those two guys just were better than better opponents most of the night. It's unreal. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We're just about coming up against it here for uh, for the Dash Radio for nothing but net. So everybody that's listening on the radio, thank you. Unfortunately, you're going to have to do what I always tell you to do anyway. Go find us live on Facebook. Go download the podcast because we're not quite done. We've got some more playoff talk. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. We've got Justin here, Justin Payton from Off the Ball Network. I know you've been watching his video recaps because they're getting pretty popular. He does a good job with them. I honestly, I don't want to overstate it, man. But the accent's great. I think it's, I think it's, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Thanks for being on, man. It's been a lot of fun. Man, thank you for uh, having me on, man. I'm very blessed and thankful, man. Definitely, definitely. Hey, keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep doing it, man. I love it, man. I love the yeah, show. I appreciate it. Well, everybody that's, you know, tuning in on the radio, switch over to the podcast. Go find us on Facebook Live. It's on Twitter. It's streaming everywhere. It used to stream like seven more places, but Stephen didn't show me how to do that stuff quite yet, so he had to leave in a hurry. So I only got the crash course. I got I got enough, but we're, we're, we're making do. But thanks, everybody. You know, thank you, Dash Radio. Thank you, Manscaped, Off the Ball Network, Chris, Mo, Jeff, everybody there. You guys are awesome. You know, I've, I've worked for a couple other networks like this, and it was, it was never, never right never felt right like it does here and uh, we're happy to have you justin we're fairly new i know we've kind of expand and it's been great this has been fun thank you everybody for listening and have a good one all right i can edit that out that's good